Testicle, testicle, one, two, three. I have three testicles? Oh, my goodness. So this is where it gets interesting. Sometimes what I think what some people want from us, we can't give Because you and I are very good at spontaneous, just like, go. Like, I think either of us, I mean, you especially, because, like, this is, like, what you do. But I feel very... If if anyone were to ask me, hey, like, hey, Luke, go and talk to this group of teachers about why it's important that they pray. I could do that yeah. without having to prepare anything. And I could, you know, we're both very good on um, our feet, you know, and just yeah. and I, I think and when we start to unpack ideas, when you hear us go, oh, my gosh, it's because we're really going, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. What about this? You know, and it's such about being in the moment there's something that's, that's really special about like that where it's just like it is i don't know if we're the podcast that you go back and you hear it three four or five times we are for some episodes and for some people mm, that's true yeah it's true but i will say this point. when we were doing when we do certain shows and someone will say this is a great part about not having a prescripted thing when someone makes a comment because of something that you said it creates a strain of thought where you're free to connect it to a bunch of different stuff. But if I already had everything I wanted to say already written out, then I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be like just waiting my turn to give my prepackaged answer. And that's not that, like, you know, when people interview other people, when they do a formal interview, they have a ton of research and they sit down with a lot of the stuff and they want to understand a particular aspect of a person. I think like a lot of us, a lot of times what we do is, yeah, that they're here because they're a musician or, you know, like Andy Lesnesky doing Share Jesus or whatever. But there's a more interesting personal story behind it that I think only just by doing conversation can you really get that out. Well, and it's funny. I do think this in a weird way does uniquely tie into evangelization because in reality – what everyone tends to want are these prepackaged. Yeah, see, I, I, I feel like I can't explain this topic without crapping on other podcasts. I don't want to do that because I think everything is. I think I think there's like a lot. Like they're all really great and they're doing really good, good, good things. But why, why I think there's why do you feel hmm? like you have to crap on them and just no, to no, say no, 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 that they have no, no. Plans. I don't want to. I, no, I no, no. I mean, to. why why do you think that you're going to just by calling it prepackaged? Well, I'm well I'm, thought I out. <laughs> Because I don't want them to think that by saying, "Here's what I think we do and why," how it ties into evangel, how it ties, how it ties into evangelization, um, that I'm somehow crapping on them. You know what I mean? So basically, like the um, by like by like emphasizing what we do, I'm saying that the that what is not us is bad. Yeah, uh, we're in talking in circles, uh, wheels within wheels. Um, all of this is getting cut. Yeah, probably. But I think the key part of evangelization is that you're detached from outcome. And then instead of trying to say, we're going to, you're going to be part of this pre-packaged thing where there is only one answer and one outcome that is good, it then opens it up to an infinite amount of outcomes. So what do you mean you're detached from outcome? I mean that you um, have to – I really believe that if you – to not turn people into projects, you have to be a 1,000 percent okay with them rejecting what you have to say or not um, – like you have to be okay with them rejecting you or not um, being open to anything or like you if, – if, if I want to preach 
the gospel. And I'm like, everyone here has to have a life-changing experience with Christ. And that's all that I care about. That's all that I want. I think that can be a little, that can be bad because all, all of the sudden that's uh, like, what if that doesn't happen? Is it, did you, did was like, did you fail? Well, not really. If you're detached from the outcome of, of this, you are respecting the freedom that those, that the, uh, those people have. Do you think, though, that there's an element of being detached from the outcome that is wrong-headed and sinful when it comes to uh, when it comes to this stuff? Like, for instance, if I say I'm detached from the outcome, meaning I'm going to preach or I'm going to teach or I'm going to witness or I'm going to do whatever, and I don't care how they react, isn't there an element of, uh, I mean a lack of love for your sure. neighbor. And like, yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 um, I would say like, I'm going to preach the gospel and in order not to treat you like a project, I'm going to not care how you respond to me. I think, I think the saints would not agree with that, but I, I do understand what you're saying because the saints would never turn someone into a project. Well, but I, so, or they, or they probably did and repented of it, but okay. So here's where I get that term. It's, uh, it's actually comes from courtship and dating where it's if i'm gonna go and talk to a girl at a bar i've got to be completely okay with whatever happens because like if she turns me down oh well who cares it's not a big deal if she does talk to me great awesome hope i hope it's a really good chat but when i this is especially true for a whole a whole like of um guys who are always in the quote-unquote who are in like the friend zone when they get rejected by the girl they somehow think that's a reflection or it reaffirms what they think is their self-worth. So when you have this health, I I should like really call it a like healthy detachment or a holy in a holy indifference. Yeah. Like a, a prideless self gift, right? You're going to put yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a much better way to put it. No, I mean, I think yours was uh, actually it's the tradition more, but a prideless self-gift meaning, okay, so I, obviously I know it's impossible to be prideless, but in this case, uh, you know, this is the topic I want to talk about. Screw all the other stuff. I'm deleting everything else. Luke, this is so, I think it is so perfect that you just set this up this way. So, You're in, welcome, world. You're welcome, world. See, this is what happens when you have <laughs> free flow. Um, when, I was in, when I was just starting out as a Catholic speaker, I remember praying for the Lord to give me an indifference to my audience so that I can be faithful to the gospel and preach the truth regardless if anyone believes it. And then I remember thinking um, there were two young women, there were two high school students who were train wrecks of human personality. They were, they were awful. They were doing all the worst thing any common sense human being would say not to do, such as uh, being in high school and hooking up with uh, guys who are out of college um, and meeting up with these guys who are total strangers uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning when they sneak out of their house and no one knows they're gone and they take their 12-year-old sister. All right, well, and yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the guys were so drunk that they, were, uh, that they almost hit the median of a six-lane highway and the cop pulled them over and thankfully the women never got to their shady apartment in Conroe. But the, the idea was I knew these girls' story. I knew their background. 
And when they were on this confirmation retreat, and it was one of my first confirmation retreats, my whole thought was, I have to win them for God. And they could not have given less of a shit to anything I was saying. Eyes rolling in total teenager style the whole time. And I remember talking to a friend of mine and saying, this is it. I wish I could be indifferent. Like, I could preach the gospel and then say, you don't want to believe it? Well, like, St. Anthony of Padua, I'll just be over here preaching to the fish. You know, forget you guys. And I said that to Father Paul Koska, who was then known as Matt Fenter. Oh, no, he was Brother Paul at that time. And he said, he said, do you really think the saints didn't care if people didn't hear their didn't hear the word of God and accepted it? He goes, don't you think more than anything else in the world that broke their hearts? And I was like, oh, oh, yes. And he said, so don't pray for an indifference to the point where you don't care if someone accepts the gospel because you should care if someone doesn't accept the gospel. That should burn. That should be the source of your motivation to preach the gospel. I was like, oh, yeah. And he said, and by the way, St. Anthony did that because he was trying to piss the people off. And then a miraculous event occurred, meaning the fish all listened, you know, as the story goes, all the fish lined themselves up and received his blessing, as you do. And uh, and then he preached to the townsfolk. And I thought, oh, so I totally misappointed that story. The story is, like, he, because of his sanctity, he used his sanctity to overcome human resistance in a crazy-ass supernatural way. And that's kind of the moral of the story. And he said that to me, and I saw these girls in a totally new light because I walked back out into that room and was like, okay, I need to invest in these women. <laughs> I, need to, I need to just not just preach at them with the fake courage of a pulpit, but I need to sit down and talk with them and say, hey, girls, how's it going? How's it been since you got grounded? You know, and that's literally what I did, and I think it improved my preaching a lot. Yeah. No, and I, and I think when you're able to uh... – and that's, what and that's what I mean by um, before, when, I don't know if you're going to include this in the episode, but I said like the importance of being detached from outcome. It's more about I'm just going to be here with you in the moment. Yeah. And, regard, and I pray that you, that, you know, we repent and believe in the gospel. I pray that we all do like me over anyone else because that's like I need it. But instead of being so preoccupied with like, you must hear this and be changed. I'm going to be present to you and not care about, um, what I want. You know, it's it's about what's good in that, in that moment and respecting the other. Yeah. Okay. So let's take it back to the dating scene. If you will. I would love to talk about this. I want to talk about, okay. So you have this, thing that women talk about a lot which is when you when a woman rejects the nice offer of a man they take it so damn personal right and i like your phrase a detachment from outcome like they're a human being you're a human being you have no right to their time even if you buy them a drink and they accept it you have no right to their time you know and yet so many men act like it's the end of the world well i did this for you and oh women it's your fault I don't know. What are your thoughts? Because I did not do that in the dating scene. That means you are a manipulating jerk. If now I just I'm just gonna imagine Matt Fred being angry with me anytime I get close to being vulgar, um, even though he wasn't. It's based on a podcast that he had about vul about vulgarity. Anyways, um, getting back to your question, when we do these things as men, especially as nice guys, 
the majority of the time we're doing them because we want something to happen. We want them to like us. We want them to, I'll be very blunt, have sex with us. Perhaps it's not um, intercourse, but like deep down, you might always kind of want to, you know, push as far as you can or, you're gonna, or you know that you're okay with that or you're going to be okay with that. You want them to affirm the fact that you exist as being a good thing. And most nice guys, which I think is the major, is a lot of Catholics right now, that takes the form of we basically put the woman on a pedestal she should not be on, not because she doesn't deserve it, but because it's the wrong one. Yeah, it's not it's not because of her intrinsic value and worth. It's because no, of, of what she can she, offer you. She needs to be my intrinsic value and worth. Yes. If I don't get this from her. I, I took a breakup so hard because I thought it meant it affirmed everything I was always scared to believe about myself, which was that I was a piece of garbage who really like shouldn't exist. And it terrified me that I wasn't ever going to be truly like, loved for who I was. And it destroyed me. So did it, you in turn try to destroy her? Did you hate her? Did you... Oh, I was, I don't know. I was just so... Because that's the impulse that I, I see that women talk about that, mm. to me, is the really fearful thing, is when they say, you know, well, I bought you that drink. Well, thank you for the drink. You bought me a drink. Neat. That doesn't mean I owe you 20 minutes of conversation or mm -hmm. to sleep with you tonight. And then they respond, well, fuck you, you snobby little bitch. Like, you're, yeah. you're an entitled, you know. And, and that's what they actually say. So and, we're not being vulgar. We're, we're trying to actually yeah. say this is what happens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Arlene Spencer will tell us that men have said that to her. Like, I don't know if it was at like a Catholic forum or something, but. She'll mention this, and, you know, this is so beyond me because I never participated in young adult dating. Thank you very much, Shannon, who I dated for a million years. Um, I never participated in that, like, the bar scene to go find someone. But he, here's the problem with that is yeah. I don't think Catholics actually do enough of that. No, I, and like I agree. The, I 100% agree. It's, it's not like the bar scene is inherently bad, but it's everyone's approach. It's like, you know, like anger isn't bad. It's how we respond to that. It's one of the, the passions, and when it's in its right non-disordered place it's a really good thing and i think so many of us are so incredibly broken and in need of um true healing and that we are really scared to ask what is like what does the gospel how does the gospel impact how i flirt with others yeah how does the gospel impact how i and i i, I hate to use this word um but for lack of a better term, I really do not like this term. Hit on a girl. Vagina. <laughs> sorry, Moist. I didn't know. I didn't know what term you were going to say. Moist. Um, no. So, <laughs> why don't just, Why don't uh, Why don't you like that term? Hit on a girl. Is it because it implies like something? Uh, it one is just kind of like a violent term, like yeah. hit on, and it um, it's not. It's just not very respectful of the woman at all. But I don't know, like, but I mean, like, how do you go up to a girl that you don't know? Like, sorry, what do we call in a respectful way going up to a girl that we don't know and trying to get trying to trying to flirt with her in a playful, healthy way? Mm, mm. You know, and I think those are like it's because it's not like we had a buddy. because it's not a conversation. You're not there to have a conversation for conversation's sake. You're there because you're you're flirting. I mean, that's what I mean. If you're detached from outcome, you are. Well, I mean, 
think about like how like what do you because you can't it's not like you can't just be this drone that's like i'm gonna ignore all the sexual urges that i have and i just mean the fact that like you are attracted to another girl yeah like that's a good thing yeah and so how do you how do you respond how do you engage in that in a way to where you're like hey i think this girl's really pretty i would love to try to talk you know try to talk to her if she's not if she's not interested the uh, appropriate response is to go totally cool and the the important part is that you is that you really say hey is there any type of a connection here like do i do i enjoy her company do i do i find her to be interesting um and if not it's okay and then and, or perhaps it can be a thing where you start to like talk to her and you realize, oh, she's not a person that I would, you know, want to date, but I would love to be friends with her. Like that's happened to me before. And it's like I'm still like, I'm still really good friends with girls that I've talked to with the in with the primary in in detention of getting to know them. And it was like, oh, I don't know if I would want to date you, but you're like really cool. So let's just be friends. What for you would make you not want to date someone? Uh, <laughs> that they like, like, is it things that they like? Is it their attitude, their sense of sure. humor? You know, it's, it's like, it's, um, it's a whole lot of things. So here's one example. When I first moved to Denver, I was not going to ask anyone out until I, uh, got a job. There's just kind of like a rule that I had no dates until I've got a job. Cause I basically spent about half a year not talking to any <laughs> girls. In I love this up. idea of moneyless Luke going around being like, listen, I made a vow, but that girl <laughs> is definitely a nine. And I think she's into me. So forget the fact that I'm jobless and moneyless. I'm going to ask her out of the date. So long morals. <laughs> so long <People>. code. <laughs> <laughs> I know my first night in my first full day in denver i'd really like prep myself up like luke you've got five grand to your name and that's it so you know you when you, when you go out tonight two drinks no more than twenty dollars eighty dollars later <laughs> eighty dollars later you got a lampshade on your head and you're in some <laughs> random girl's apartment <laughs> like it happened again only luke okay so what was the question Oh, uh, what what are you, what is the thing that you say to you? Okay, oh, like, this is like, what are, okay. good conversation, it, good person. Could see myself took, being friends, but oh not. yeah, so it's, it's, uh, okay, that's right. And this, after the end, this took a, a while for me to really truly understand this. So yeah. it's not like it's like I don't think you should just have like this is part of just growing as a person and being in a million different relationships. Um, I so, but I I did have like a mental kind of list of, oh, this girl's really cool. I would love to get to know her better. This girl's cool. And, like, like Aaron was at the top of that list. So it's kind of awesome that, like, the one that I was the most interested in was the one that I, like, ended up, that I ended up, like, marrying. So, because she's freaking awesome. But there was this girl who was, like, who was a really nice girl, cute, uh, cute girl. I was like, yeah, I would like to get to know her better. And, like, you know, kind of on my list of girls, you know. And we were uh, at dinner at a buddy's house, and she started just going off and how she hated the uh, charismatic movement, and I was like, "Nope, oh, yeah, nah, I'm not <laughs> deal breaker." <laughs> like, you know, and that's and, it, and you know, and like, she's a really nice girl. I I enjoyed, and like, we we hung out. She was a part of our <laughs> large group of friends. You know, it just was something like that's just for me. That's kind of I don't want to have to like explain like the like the my uh, whole like family's background in the charismatic movement with like this like hint of shame. I feel like you would you know? have said, listen, 
in about five years, I'm going to start a podcast, and we're going to have some really <laughs> sweet episodes on charismatic covenant communities. I'm going to ask you to listen to that and rethink what you just said. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> good day to you, exactly. man. Good day to you. <laughs> Shame. Shame. You know, and like, and sometimes it was kind of like a physical thing. Like, I tend to like um, taller girls. So, you know, so if she was like 5'1", five, 5'2", five, like, ugh. You know, uh, and it's nothing. It's not like that's bad. It's just for me. I just didn't find that as attractive as a taller girl. Luke prefers a woman who can cradle him at night. And Luke's oh, Luke's six two. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, Aaron's like five ten. Um, that's why Luke I, only dated women in the WNBA. <laughs> well, one of the reasons why I asked this, uh, asked this, uh, two reasons actually. Arlene had said, you know, I want you guys to do a couple episodes on like male passivity and stuff. I can't believe she would say that of all people, but she yeah. <laughs> she asked us uh, she asked us to do that and talk about that. And I have a um, a couple talks that I've given that's on my SoundCloud account where you can hear Gomer give instruction and not discussion. SoundCloud.com slash AMDD AMD I don't even know what it's called AMDG Gomer <laughs> AMD Gomer. There it is. You know what? I'm gonna take a nap. I'm gonna take a nap right now. Come back in a little bit. No. Uh, and the other one was a conversation I was having today because I'm the young adult coordinator at my parish. And I sat down with two young adult women who are in their 20s, and they're single. And there is a lot of, I would just say, widespread annoyance with church programs because so much revolves around, so much presupposes the family. And I get why it does, obviously. But there is a, what ends up happening is it produces inadvertently this experience of, I have no worth until, right? And so until I'm married or have kids, and I don't, I mean, I don't know what your feelings are in terms of being someone who is married without kids. And regardless of the reasons why, you know, some people do in church can put out a, like, are you going to start having kids? Are you going to start doing that? And you're like, yeah, screw you. But there is this definite experience of, I find it more acute with women. I, that just might be my experience. But I think there is an added pressure on Catholic women to be in a serious relationship that many of them will get into one because of the cultural pressure, even when they shouldn't be, or they'll hang out in one longer than they should, um, because they don't want to be n- uh, not even on the path to being a married and family and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is really weird because the broader culture right, right. now is more about, like, not being married. Right, right. And so someone in our Catholic subculture who's like, I'm 25 and not married, or I'm not even seriously dating anyone— that that scares them, whereas if only they had more secular friends, they would be like, oh, none of them care about being 25 and single. I'm fine. It, it, it was – there was I, – I, I mean I can distinctly remember – I think it was about 25 or to 26 of going, okay, I'm not married. Let's just have fun. Like and, with, and I don't like with the lady folk. Let's just have fun. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like in a like, like in a dirty, dirty way. Like no, 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 no. I mean, it, play hide the pickle or something. But you like, mean seriously? Like, yeah, no. I, I mean, like seriously. Like I'm gonna really enjoy going out to bars. I'm gonna yeah. really enjoy where I am. And it was. I mean, it was definitely a little bit hard. And this is this is now so interesting because now my now my mom listens. So I'm like, um, and there were some definite mistakes that were made during that time period, uh, you know. But it uh no I don't. I, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, Luke? We're being honest. We're being honest, Luke. No, okay. So like, just... I pretty much like. There's one girl that I definitely used. Yeah. You know, and I I definitely like. I feel really bad about. Hey, it. I'm I mean, happy you said it that way, and not. Well, I went too far with a girl. 
I'm happy you said it though, because that's like the most honest way you could say it. Yeah, like I straight up. I mean, like you know, I'll say it was a two way street, but yeah. you know, like she. I remember after we hooked up, the next day I was so embarrassed and ashamed. I didn't want to have to like see her or be or be around her. I just didn't know how to really handle that because I had never, I wasn't that guy. And um, she, like for her, it was just like standard. Uh, you know, like this is what I was like, what you're not mad. <laughs> like, you're like we don't have to have the talk where I like apologize and ask if you've been to confession. You know, it was just like, she's like, why are you being weird? I was like, I don't know. Um, huh. But that's then really interesting. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, but, but I mean, here's the thing though, is it definitely like a few, like a few weeks later, it was obvious. Like she kind of wanted to explore dating, like wanted me to. And I was like, well, no, no. I mean, you really annoy me. You know that, right? <laughs> like, like I'll say, I mean, but like, I mean, we, we argued all the time about yeah. this. It was kind of like, it was this weird, like two way street of, we would just like start screaming at each other in the middle of a bar. And, and it, it wasn't really good. I mean, at all. Like it was really, no, it, it doesn't. No, like it, was, it was, it was horrible and unhealthy and it just, so, uh, I don't know what the point is besides bringing the story up. Like, but it, it's, it's tough because I don't know how you can do this in a healthy way. And like, I don't know how you can do this and not screw up, which sounds terrible. And I don't mean like, I don't mean having sex. I just mean, I mean, but like, but like oh, sorry, I do actually. Um, yeah. I don't know how you can do without one getting really hurt or going too far or just because it's really messy and it's really hard. So it's like, do you close yourself off? Yeah. Do you just be alone? Or do you try to engage in this? And it's just, I don't know, it's it's tough because when you're single, it's it's hard. Like, it's super hard. I think the, and, and what makes it harder is as a man or a woman who wants to be in an actual committed relationship, you're going up against a culture that doesn't give a damn about, you know, chastity and stuff like that. And it makes it harder because that's your quote-unquote competition. Like, Oh, so you're a girl who doesn't put out, or you're a guy who is remaining chase for marriage, or whatever that means. That's weird. Well, I'm going to go over here now. You know, like, things like that become difficult for a young adult who wants to date, and, and even even to be, like, you know, honest with themselves and just date other people in a good, open, mm -hmm. hearty way, and yet here they are, either A, constantly beset with temptations to unchastity, or B, losing to the competition who is unchaste, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you are, like, knee-deep in pornography or, like, self-hatred, which I think are can be both, like, yeah. the same thing, I, um, I mean, it's game over. Like, I honestly... Yeah, you, I, you will fall. Like, yeah, you no, will fall. No, there's, there's that no, will be the pattern of your relationship. No, your you, will race, mm -hmm. you will race to confession over and over again, especially when there's some event that you're doing with your friends and they're wondering why, you know, some Catholic event, why is she always going to confession or, you know, Hey, I just want to find a priest every, like, I think now as young adults who have grown up with internet addiction, uh, internet access to pornography, we all know why the person is so desperate to find a priest. You know what I'm talking about? You have those people who are like, Oh, it's mass. Uh, oh, right. We're doing this big young adult mass. Um, I just gotta, I'm just going to look for father real quick. Just see if I can find father. It's like, <laughs> All right, we get it. <laughs> you know, like, come and on. there's no shame. Like, I've I'm like, let's all be clear. Like, there should be no shame in. I mean, there's shame in. It's tough. <laughs> um, 
wanting to find like mercy should not yeah. be shameful. Exactly. You know? And it's um I I think I think one of the things that Arlene's getting at is the why are guys so passive? And I think there's a there's a couple there's a couple like reasons. Okay. One and probably eighty five percent of all of the reasons why is pornography. Yeah. And it, it, it just, really is. I tell people all the time, pornography trains you in divorce. Pornography trains you in the type of passivity that drives women insane where they're constantly waiting on men to make the first step. And men are just like, nope, I'm good. Because they're used to being served. Pornography teaches men mm-hmm. to make women serve them. I mean, that's as someone who is a recovering porn addict, I can tell you 100% mm-hmm. true. Well, and honestly, I can say like why. So you know how I, I always used to get angry when you're like Luke's in love with like being in love. I'd be like, no, I'm not. I was in love with being accepted by a girl. Yeah. So it wasn't the fact that like she loved me. It wasn't. It was like her acceptance. Yeah. Or sorry, it was the fact that like I loved her. Yeah. It was that acceptance. And I will say it. I remember saying and I remember saying things to girls and going, I don't really feel this way, but I'm doing this because I don't know what else to do. In terms of overpromising your feelings for them, like yeah. overreaching, mm-hmm. 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 or just getting into like this, it was almost. I remember this girl. Oh gosh, I'm so ashamed. You know um, what I wait real quick. You know what I call mm-hmm. that, and when in your relationship where you do that, I call that your R and B moment, where like the R and B music of like the '90s, right, is so over the top sappy, but you feel like you have to be that way like, in order for the woman. I've to got listen. like. Two urges. One, we're gonna like make out, and two, we're gonna play basketball with Looney Tunes characters. <laughs> the nineties were confusing times. <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen to us? All you baby boomers who complain about millennials. <laughs> uh, when your hero, R. Kelly, it's okay. So, um, there was this girl we met on Catholic Match. Really nice girl, really cute girl. But I remember being like, "Yeah, she's not a girl that I'd want to date, but like she's really cute and nice. I'll just talk to her and we'll hang out. And I'll probably hook up, and that'll be it." And I'm like, and by hookup, what did you mean? Uh, everything, but uh, how do I put this in a polite way? Everything but intercourse. Yes, everything but intercourse. And so that was for me the line. So that was the line I would not cross for the most part. Is it? But isn't it funny that we do that? I mean, I think that's a good line to have. Uh, but isn't it funny that we? These are our projects of self-justification. Just want to point that out. We're all like, you know, at least I'm not, at least I'm still a virgin in name only. Or at least I've, and I'm, you know, I'm guilty of the same thing. Mm -hmm. But we do these, I think these are such, to me, such fascinating games we play where we constantly redraw the line. And the reason why we're redrawing the line is because we still want to pretend that we're amazing people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or because it's just, it's, I mean... I'll be honest. Like, I think I was straight up like addicted to like what that stuff gave me. You know, I think I was addicted to what um, the dopamine I, effect of sex and stuff. Is that not not that? Like, um, I mean, I guess more. No, baby, like, I'm just asking questions to clarify. That's all. It was like the rush. It was the. It was everything. Like I do. I had really, honestly, once I had gotten that. Mm-hmm. Or like it just like the relationship part. I would just be like, ah, I'm just not into you, and I and I and I like I wasn't, you know. And so I think what I would do was instead of really putting myself out there in a way that I could take risk and be willing to get hurt, I'll go well, I'll like just go along with the people that I know are 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 into me, 
even though I'm not. It's really messed up. Like it's really, really wrong. And so I, 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 yeah, but this is incredibly common. And if you don't share, yeah, no one's gonna. I know. No, you're yeah. right. So I remember going to a girl's apartment and having this thought of like, Luke, please don't be an idiot. And you're like, you know why you're here. And I was like, fair. You <laughs> know, and I was there to hook up with her. <laughs> yeah. I had no interest in dating her. I knew she wanted to date me. That's I knew the long run. Yeah, and I and I knew, yeah. and I kept like hoping that perhaps I'll get that spark, but I knew it wasn't there from the get go. Yeah, like I and I just and so what happened was I get this is this is the zone part that I always talk about. I get to this zone when I would talk with her where I'd be acting like I was totally into it. But in my mind, I know, you know, when I leave, I'm never going to talk to you again. Right. Like, that's what I want to say. Like, like we know this, right? Like think about the girl that I did it in high school from college when we were, sorry, the girl that I did it in high school, when we went to college, I never even thought about her. She wasn't on my radar yeah. until I went, until I went home and I was bored and I was alone and she was a phone call away. And she and, wanted you. Yeah. Oh, totally. She was in love with me. And I genuinely cared about her a lot. Like, I really, really <laughs> did. But I was just so – and part of this is being in your, is just being a stupid 19-year-old kid. So I do want to like – I think there's a little bit of like, please don't like, you know, take me out to the woodsheds. I was like 19 years old and dumb. But I can't remember when I came back. So this was after college. We were young, 23. She started to date this guy. And she was like, please don't ruin this for me. Like she basically asked me to not try to like hook up with her. And, and when we would hook up, it wouldn't be really all that bad at all. But uh, she just said, like, don't ruin this for me. I really like this guy. And I, and I remember being like, that's fair. I'll, I'll respect that, which is terrible. But that's what so many guys do, though, because – I just I don't know what I was waiting for. Wait, I think I was she's a, telling you not to ruin her relationship with some other dude because uh-huh. she's powerless to say no to you. Uh huh. Pretty much. Oh wow. And I, I mean, she was kind of half kidding because I was like, "Let's like hang out." And she'd be like, "No, I don't mess this up." Oh, sorry, I, I thought this mic was gonna break it. Then it, it didn't. Um, I it, I think it was half kidding, but half not. Hmm. You know, and that's um, that's effed up. I should have never put a person in that. I mean, I've since repented for all this stuff. So, um, but I think about it a lot sometimes. Just like, yeah. you know, it never dawned on me that we were. In, I mean, did I ever even talk about it when we were at school? Yeah, I, I'm afraid of us talking about this right now because people might know people who know her. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Okay, so let's but back this up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, because what I knew from what you were talking about in school was one that you dated, and two that you were friends. Like you value, she was one of those, she defined home for you, right? Like yes, she yes, was one of those yes. people that defined home for you and she was your girlfriend and you dated her and you did care about her because you got jealous over her and all this stuff at, at the beginning of freshman year. But then I did I, mean, I ever, <laughs> <laughs> but <Yeah>. I, <laughs> but you might've gotten jealous over as one would get jealous over someone messing with your property. You know, your car, your this, your And that's that. the crap that sucks about it. Yeah. That makes me feel so terrible is it just, I, you know, I, and I, it, it, I think so many guys fall into this because they're were incredibly wounded. And it's almost like, I, like. Well, this is the, this is the part of um, us justifying ourselves that I think is so interesting mm-hmm. is, uh, so, you know, we have to understand that we are wounded and some people snort it. Some people sex it up. Some people 
turned to hate and all this other stuff in order to fill that massive hole in their lives. But at the same time, you're still a grown-ass man who should have, you know what I mean? It's that struggle between knowing that, like, yeah, you, you were really desperate for the affirmation of women or however you put it, that, mm-hmm. that that's what led you into those behaviors. But then there's that other point, that other component of saying, but also I'm an adult and I shouldn't have been doing that in the first, like, regardless of why my motivation is there, that doesn't excuse the behavior no. kind of thing. No. Mm-hmm. And I'm not it, saying it, you're doing that. I'm just saying how easy it is for us. And I've, I've done this a million times, been like, oh, I'm just so broken. And that's cover for being like, yeah, well, you know what? We're all messed up, so you can't point your finger at me. So I'm going to use this pseudo-religious language to, to hide from, from the I mean, implications yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, like, like how many times in college did we – well, how often did we, did we not tell each other to man the F up? It was always like, oh, yeah, it's hard, man. Oh, oh brother, I really feel sucks you. How you yeah, fell. yeah, come sucks on. how you fell, but like, you know – just keep going. It's glad that, I'm glad that we're back at school now. And I think also one of the reasons why we did that was because we were so sensitive to uh, – we weren't sensitive to the women that we were doing this. No, th- that's the thing. We but, just completely disregarded them. Right. But we were sensitive to fear of being someone who judged someone for, quote, unquote, falling. But then we mm-hmm. used that as an opportunity to keep falling. Like that's the interesting thing to me is like these that is exactly the self-justification that i'm talking about it's like i use my religion in order to justify violating my religion and yeah oh man i use my religion in order to keep justifying violating my religion that's what we did and that continued for me on and on and on into into my 20s because I could not accept the fact. Well, no, I knew that I was profoundly broken and there was this inner hurt inside of me. And I think this is where I was angry at God. Yeah. Because part of me was just like, fix this. Like, I don't want to do this. Fix this. And it wasn't until I started to – I mean, grace built upon your own nature. You know, grace built upon my nature as – I think it's Aquinas who says that, right? And so until we, I, I, this is, I'm honestly, I struggle with this a bit, but until our own nature is healed and a lot of times we have to be co- we have to cooperate with grace in order for that to happen, which means we need to go to counseling. We need to be honest. We need to, you know, and it kind of like really, like I was, how do I tell you guys, Hey guys, um, I think I suck and I hate myself and I hate my life right now. And so Instead of um, and so instead of like trying to find healing, I'm just going to continue to stay in a terrible relationship, and I'm going to drink too much, and come home and just do stupid things and use girls, and it's just going to keep going on and on and on until I finally like that's why the book uh, the no the no more Mr. no more Mr. Nice Guy saved my life. It truly saved my life because it finally helped me f- see, oh, okay, like I think my needs are going to be taken care of. I'm desperate for acceptance. More than anything else that I, I've ever wanted in my life was acceptance. Yeah, That's all I've ever wanted to this day. It's my biggest thing that I struggle with is that. The need to be needed or wanted or accepted or included. Yeah, or... I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you I... think? Do you think then that manifests in kind of what we call today? You know, the fear of missing out so much. Like, yes. Why you are a bar hopper so much and define so much fun as it is because 
you had to be at the bar in order to have fun because that's you didn't want to miss out. Oh, and it and it told, like it blows my mind that Aaron can like stay at home on a Friday night and just chill and hang out. And and now part of that is just her introverted. But things like, are happening. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, you know, it. I remember, like, I still like last night. I stayed up till like two in the morning because I started to like, you know, uh, I cleaned up. Then I read the Wall Street <laughs> Wall Street <laughs> Journal. Got all amped up. Like, well, I can't go to bed now. And I started listening to Five Heart Frenzy and started to tweet. Um, as you do, <laughs> as you do. And it now part of that is just like. <sighs> Dying to yourself is really hard sometimes, especially when that's why that's why they call it dying. (laughs) Well, because it's just not about like snack packing yourself is really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Alm enjoying yourself is very hard. That's that's the reason why it's called dying. Yeah, it uh, it just the the thing that scares me the most. This the this was the hardest part of not being married while all you guys were was when I went uh, to bed. Because you were just alone. Yeah. And it, God, I mean, I choked up just thinking about it because it's just like you realize like how I remember coming home from a bar one time and this girl that I was like interested in was just like not. I could just kind of tell. And it was okay. It was not a big deal. I remember coming home and just being so angry, not at her, but just at like my life. And I'm like, I'm alone. And I threw my phone into the wall and like put a dent in the top part of the wall because I was just like, oh, I'm alone. I'm flipping alone and this is horrible and I'm dying inside and no one gives a shit, you know? And it, and I, I honestly, I think like people cared. No one, no one actually like knew. Yeah. You, you, you know, like I had, I mean, like there was a girl that I had dated before who a couple weeks before that called, had called, me up and it's like, hey, I want to start to talk again. And I mean, and like, you know, like that's what she said in like X amount of words pretty much. And, and I was like, great, let's do it. And we did for like a day and it was great. And she never just got a hold of me again. And I remember just being like, what is wrong with me? Why? What is wrong with me? Do you think and, the type of guy that says that their first reaction is not what's wrong with me, but what the hell's her problem? Like you internalize it, but other guys blame like the woman for it is that you know maybe part of what we're talking about like yeah i i i think it's ultimately like the same thing but but i'm much more of an internal like because i think in high school i experienced such profound rejection in high school and junior high with my own at least that sorry i in turn i what i thought was rejection it really honestly wasn't at all um, in a lot of ways, but what I thought it was, I became such an internalized individual cause I was alone. I can remember in, in pr- walking home from one, when I was in ninth grade, begging God or the devil to help me find friends. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly asking the devil to help me, like, I think I said like Satan, please help me find friends. Like I'm begging you, whoever I need friends. And, um, in, uh, like that in that type of desperation ingrained itself into my psyche. So there's just all that, that need never went away. Yeah. And I think other guys who maybe perhaps did not experience that, um, they're still, because like, where does that come from? It's the desire for 
communion, yeah. really, I think, to be like one with some other, with the, with, with the other, most profound other being God. And I think when you get rejected in that way, it's why it becomes like, oh, like whatever, you dumb bitch, you know, or just something horrible like that because it's, you're angry for not getting what you want, what you think is a good thing. Yeah. You know, and I think for guys, it's, but you know, but I'm the same guy who once I would get those things had no problem just discarding those people once I was done with them. Yeah. We're profoundly broken and messed up. <laughs> right. Hmm. I think of, you know, you said that Satan thing. I remember going to a charismatic priest because I knew he did deliverance ministry. And he said, why, why are you coming to confession to me? Why did you come all the way down from the woodlands to go to confession to me? And I said, well, I need to confess something that I've never confessed to anyone before. And he's like, okay. And I said, I may have asked the devil to help me look at porn. And he's like, oh, okay what does that mean and i was like well you know on the television where you can get like scrambled cable porn channel and that was for a lot of americans their introduction to porn he's like all right and i said well that was i was literally saying if anyone can hear me i would love for this not to be scrambled you know and i didn't you know it was but that <laughs> that was literally when my father didn't live at home anymore uh he lived in california my me and my brother like hated each other we were never friends uh once we became adolescents and i felt incredibly alone and i i had friends so i was not that super alone kid but it was so damn difficult for me at that time and i let that become the perfect reason to why i should you know quote unquote should use pornography and um i remember praying that prayer and i never i haven't thought of that since I went to that priest, but, um, yeah, I was totally like, Lord, I'm, or whoever hears this thing that I'm saying in my head by myself, I totally am okay if you do something here. Mm. And then being like, oh shit, like, what did I just bring into my life? Like, like yeah, no, is, it, is I mean, this how alone I, I really am? Like, is this a thing? So you, you hoped for friends. I hoped for porn. <laughs> like I am so, but <laughs> there's a, there's an element of, really sad patheticness that kind of goes there but well no it's here's the crappy part is i had friends they just weren't the cool jocks oh okay you know and so that's that's why that's why i get so mad at myself because i had friends i just wasn't proactive enough to organize things with people so what i wanted to be was zach morris <laughs> but I mean, I turns know, out no, you were screech. I just opened no, a wound. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no but I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's what I thought I was going to be. Like I thought high school was that. And so when it's like I'm walking home alone again, well, this isn't how this works, you know. Um, and there were people who were my friends, but I. And this is what I did with girls. This, this is how it manifested. It's. I mean, I could be. I, I am projecting here a bit so uh, if you're a psychologist screaming at us sorry um but i'd be like well you're not like you know scroll your hands in so i mean this is going to go anywhere you, you realize that right you, you know or you're you know or you're not uh, like a big thing for me was i just um you were kind of saying earlier like like, like what's one thing that you wanted to look for was intelligence like really to me, that was like a key thing. I was like, I had to have like a conversation with you that could be interesting. I wanted to be able to talk about like 
politics and history and art and literature and all these things. And, and if it was just all like, oh my gosh, I'd be like, mm, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> um, but it, uh, yeah. And this, in a weird way, a part of this ties back to like, remember the big argument we got into earlier, one of our earlier episodes about what's more important. I don't remember how we put it. Was it to view yourself as a child of God or not what's more important, but like confidence? Yeah. Yeah. To have confidence in yourself or in God. And you were like, not, no, you need to have confidence in yourself. And I'm like, no, Dom shout or not Dom shout tart. Literally the dude from the divine or the spiritual combat says that you do not. But I think it's, it's tough because this is where I, I, keep, I keep going back to this in a certain way. Like, I think, do you though? Need to have confidence in God? I would say yes. Well, no, I mean, I mean, obviously in God, but like, isn't there something to like, is it good to accept yourself? Like to say, it is good that you exist. Like, yeah. enjoy, like, I think, I do think you kind of need that though. I, and, and like, not in a sense that, uh, like, when I look at, um, okay, so there's this joke that I kind of have, but it's true, where if you ever seen, like, homeschool kids who are like, how are you that confident? You should not be confident. <laughs> or, like, you know, it's like, didn't junior high destroy your insides? I'm very confused here. Like, that's a kind of confidence where it's like, you know who you are, you know that you're, like, loved, you know that you can do things, you have, like, I'm I'm confident in my ability to talk to anyone about the sport of soccer. I'm, I'm confident in my ability to um, talk about good scotch or, like, good bourbon. I'm confident about my ability to, like, you are confident in your ability to speak to others as a, as a speaker. Like, those are good things. And I think it's good to have those things. Yeah. Because that's why, like a lot of women, that's what they are attracted to is confidence. Yeah. And so I don't, I just don't, how could that be a bad thing? Now, I don't want to go down that. I'm just, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't, I don't want to get, get, go down the, go down that road again. Cause I, th- I think you do have a lot of good points. Like it's actually like Ratzinger, he hits on this a lot, how we need to understand that it is good that I exist. Like I need to accept the fact that not only is it good, but it's like necessary that I exist. It's the theology of affirmation. Okay. It's super, super in, interesting. And I wish I had some stuff on it. So, uh, man, I just thought we were going to talk about <laughs> ragging on dudes for being douchebags when they're buying girls drinks and, uh, it became a thing. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I don't know if we gave anyone any answers or not. Well, I mean, here's <laughs> but here's the okay, so did you feel like your life was uh, no, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to talk, I want to go back to Luke who knew he shouldn't but he turned to it anyway of using a girl. Mm-hmm. And I want to point out something that I think a lot of us don't think about, but this is the part where the whole know yourself comes into play, right? Is Aristotle would call it like we have an untutored human nature. Uh, penises like to be inside things that make penises happy, right? So mm-hmm. for men who are pubescent, that's what like drives so much masculinity. Is, being 14 is like. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. The crazy oh, really hormones is. going on is crazy. So the point being, um, that's natural to feel that way, to have all those things. That is the course of nature. But that doesn't mean it's right just because you feel that way. In fact, everyone would admit that manipulating women to get them to do whatever you want them to do for you is a terrible thing. That you're a manipulative jerk and you shouldn't do that. But the problem is that's our nature as it's given to us. Like that is untutored, raw human nature. And it's what we as Christians would say is aspects of the fallen reality of humanity. But just from this Aristotelian perspective, it's untutored. You need to bring it. You need. You are the tutor. Virtue is the tutor. And if we don't have virtue, then sitting here and saying to God, why haven't you fixed this in me? Right? Like I would say about like pornography, like why is this still a thing? Or why is this in my life? I thought I, you loved me. And if you loved me, you would take this away from me. And he's like, boy, you ain't even trying. You ain't even trying. And Dom Chautard, when you read... Um, his thing, the credo on the interior life, he talks about what is the interior life? The interior life is first and foremost, the life of Jesus Christ, supernatural life lived in me. And because it's supernatural life and the life of Christ lived in me, I can't give that to myself. I need the Holy Spirit to make that actual in me. And that's what we call grace. But then he takes it some more steps and he says, it's not only that I have this life in me, it's that I need to make this life my most extremely vital reality. The baseline part of my existence. And the reality is when you have an untutored human nature and you have an experience of Christianity and an intellectual understanding of Christianity, but you don't have it yet when you're still living with the world, the flesh, the devil, and Christianity all kind of commingled in your heart, it's not your most vital reality. It's not your most extremely vital reality. And then Dom Chartard says, listen, you have this threefold concupiscence. Our fallen nature, you know, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, that's not going away. So insofar as you let those things dominate you, they will diminish your ability to have that supernatural life. And insofar as you fight against it, and even if you have the worst temptation and it's violent and it's prolonged for years and it takes up so much of your time and energy fighting it, if you never give in, you become stronger in the supernatural life. Because you're living in a graced mindset. But then he has this really interesting thing where he says, and if you keep giving in, one of the truths of the interior life is if you keep giving in to your sin. So if you're lonely, so you hook up, but you're hooking up as a response to your loneliness is because you also look at pornography. And so you respond to loneliness as I don't want to be with people. Your response to loneliness is I want to use a girl or I want to go masturbate because I'm looking at porn. He says this really cool thing where he says the, the constant turning to sin will lead to tepidity of the will, meaning you just don't want godly things. And after a while, you blame. Which is a Yeah. Well, you blame God for, the, for your life as it is. And you, you can't even see the contradiction. Like, I'm stuck into pornography. I abuse myself sexually because I actually hate myself emotionally. And then I take, I, I treat women as uh, uh, a shot of dopamine to, to take away the pain for a little bit. And then I, but I, but I have Christianity enough in my life that I'm like, this is wrong, I shouldn't be doing it. So now I have the guilt, but none of the resolve and none of the joy. You got one foot in hell and one foot, not even in heaven, you got one foot in like VBS or something because no, that, you're, you're not schooled. 
I, th- I think you're onto something. Um, yeah. What? I don't think it's such a. Uh, no, meaning, meaning you're not schooling your desires. Like, oh, oh you're still, yeah, 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 like, yeah, the, prob- the problem is we know. See, if you well, didn't know. Well, no, no, no. See, but here's, yeah. here's other thing, though. If you're not going back to that constant encounter with Christ, then it is literally pointless because it's all just a burden. Right, exactly. You know, and, and like that's where I think I was, yeah. was that I wasn't really developing any sort of strong prayer life. I wasn't trying to. And it, you weren't so making is, it your most extreme vital reality. Yeah, it just becomes a thing where it's like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And, and that's where I think why a lot of Catholics become dangerously, sorry, dangerous nice guys yeah. is because we know this is wrong, so I'm not going to do it, but I'm not going to really go for any healing. I'm not going to really try exactly. to grow as a person. I'm not going to – because this encounter with Christ doesn't ever stop ever, ever, yeah. ever, 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 ever. But when like you when you stop participating in that, this just becomes this huge burden that you're kind of like and i think that's where i like i was like i was never in a dark enough place like like a lot of my friends to where i was constantly hooking up every weekend yeah but it was just enough that when it wouldn't work out i I didn't go oh there's always tomorrow it was what's wrong with my existence because i know way more than others that that's what i'm trying to sort out yeah because it's on my mind, because it's a part of my, of this Catholic culture that I'm in. Yeah. And the thing that you said that sticks out to me, you said, keep going back to that encounter with Christ. That's grace. That is the thing that I think so many Catholics lose sight of, is we have, we hold up this notion of, uh, you know, if you're an informed Catholic, you hold up this notion of the natural law, things I should and shouldn't do. Or maybe it's, you know, it might be as simple as a chastity talk, or it might be something profound, like you actually studied Catholic moral theology or something like that, but you have these twin notions inside of you of I am broken sexually or I'm broken relationally, but I know I'm called to this, this higher level, but here I am somewhere way below that level. And guess what? I kind of like it. I kind of like the pleasure I get when I hook up with a girl I barely know at a bar and I'm I kind of like being drunk and seeing where that takes me. Mm-hmm. I kind of like, you know, the feelings of looking at pornography. Porn is pleasurable. That's the other reason why people look at porn. We could come up with all these. I love Matt Fratt one day. He said to me, you know, the reason why people look at porn is also because it's pleasurable. Like, let's not lose sight of the fact that that's why we started it in the first place or whatever. But this notion, right, is then, then what do I do with this? What do I do with my brokenness, my loneliness, my relational issues? And then this, the, the reality of, of being an, uh, having this untutored human nature. But I don't think a lot of us, unless we constantly go back to that encounter, want to be transformed. I think we want enough of Christianity to make me feel like I'm a good person. But we don't want too much of Christianity where I have to become the new person. Where I have to actually say, I'm going to put to death these false desires or these or i'm going to moderate these now currently unrestrained desires i don't want to do that because that's work i don't want to make this jesus my most because he talks about dumpshatard talks about how priests over more than anyone else don't pursue the interior life because they're too busy running a parish and they just don't have time and i think there's this weird thing within my heart that i want to hear this like we just need to um like, what are you trying to say here, Luke? 
part of the reason why I think I was so angry at certain things, and this may just be a Chidia trying to like manifest itself, was that so does this mean now I have to listen to like Matt Marr records and just like yeah, hear yeah. talks for everyone and be like retweet things that I think are just a bunch of baloney BS? I don't want now listen. Matt Marr is good. I'm not trying to say it's just not. It's not my <laughs> cup of tea. I actually liked the one song I heard by him that was not a praise and worship song. It was beautiful and amazing. Anyways, he's a very nice man. When I met him for two minutes at a bar in 2006, um, but you know what I mean. Like, do I have to become this thing that do, I don't yeah. really find interesting? Yeah. Do I have to adopt all the cultural, <laughs> the, the all the aspects of cultural Christianity that I've taught myself to hate so much of? Uh, hashtag bless because it's time for me to get serious about my Christianity. Like, mm-hmm. and I think, I think there are a lot of people who are afraid of becoming a cookie cutter Christian. And so they don't like, they don't fully become a Christian because they're afraid of not even the, the transformation, but the, the, the only examples that we have of transformation might not actually be all that appealing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's, and I, I, it's tough because sometimes I, I go, so is the answer counseling? And I think for a lot of us, the answer to that is a, is a, is a um, resounding yes. But sometimes I'm like, is the answer also about really trying to allow the gospel to impact my humanity? Really, it's human. We need human formation. But as a church, we think that stops at high school. Yeah. And at parish, and like even that word sometimes gets under my skin because it implies like I need to like, you know, make you cookie cutter and, and I need to, con- you know, control you to be this thing. And that's not really what it is. It's about being the best version of yourself you can be, being profoundly who you were created to be, growing in like virtue and these really good things. But there's this thing where I just, that's why I think the art of manliness is so big because it's just like, here's how to tie a tie. Here's how to ask a girl out. You know, here's why you should stop being, don't just, uh, stop, stop being friends with girls and ask them out on dates. How big was that when that came out? And like the church, I'm, so this one thing I'm, okay, I'm going to, dance around this a little bit, but that's one of the things I'm going to start doing with my job is these little things once, once a month where we're going to do human formation and we're going to talk about, okay, how does the gospel impact my life when it comes to dating and not just like, you know, don't have sex, but how do I meet a girl? How do I flirt with her? How do I let her know that I'm interested? How do I start to have those conversations? How do I do these things in a way that's, that's not so tainted or informed by the hookup culture? Yeah. But at the same time is not built out of the fear culture that sin produces. Exactly. And that's that's the problem is we have a bunch of good people who are afraid to go too far. And we have a bunch of bad instincts inside of us that wants us to go way too far. And we're surrounded by a culture that is that doesn't have a problem with going way too far. And so how do you balance all of those things for a millennial who probably had terrible formation growing up and they don't, I mean, they honestly don't know. I mean, like to me, one of, mm -hmm. okay, let me just say this in my struggle with pornography. You know, I tell people all the time, the two things that will help you out of pornography is prayer and um, community. And if you can be really honest with people, 
about your struggles with this, that is the biggest movement towards it. And if you're listening and you're in college, now is the freaking time. You do not want to be mm-hmm. employed by the church still struggling with this stuff because then you feel even more isolated. Like, who am I supposed to talk to now? You know, like you don't want to be that person who is, you know, like I was listening to a bunch of Protestant pastors and they were talking about how, uh, you know, way too many Protestant pastors look at pornography. It's like 70 or 80 percent. And you hear those statistics and you're like, well, who are they supposed to experience freedom with because now they have all this, you know, kind of life stuff going on that now they're leaders and all this stuff. But my my bigger thing, I, I totally lost track of what I was going to say with that. But um, the bigger the bigger reality is we aren't uh, or the 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 catechism talks about that there are laws of growth within chastity that too often involve falling. But that doesn't mean then don't even engage. And I think there there is a – in Christianity, yep. in America, and I don't know if it's because of Puritanism. I don't know if it's because of rule-based Catholicism or Protestant blue laws or whatever stuff we want to point at and blame. But there is this instinctual fear that it is better never to go near something that might be bad than it is to risk what could be truly great. And then we – that I mean that's really to me the answer of why our churches are – the men are bored and the women are exhausted because there's there's like this true experience of like really going to church is not fun because I live in fear of always failing or um mm-hmm. or I, I, I'm I'm even more afraid of really wanting to fail. You know, like mm-hmm. that I might like it and want to stay and live that life that my whole life up to that point has been saying, This is wrong, this is bad, you need to do something else. If if there's one thing that I could to tell myself from that, if I could go to Luke in 2010, this is what I would say. I go, Hey man, one. Yeah. You're sweet. Uh, two, <laughs> uh, it was really interesting. Gr- girls were most attracted to me at the bar when I was being just like myself. Yeah, and I was having before. a good yeah. time with all my friends. I always thought that was very interesting. So I just want to like, like when I was, anyways, wanted to, no idea why I just talked about that. But two, I would say those girls aren't ever going to be able to give you what you want them to. And in fact, no girl can. So now what? You know, and I think as we are, as we are, are talking here, I, I just kind of, I just, this is kind of like dawned on me that I wanted them to give me a thing that, that, that they never could. And when I realized they couldn't, for the most part, I just was done with them. Mm. There wasn't anything else that really, you know, if there wasn't some overarching thing that I was just kind of drawn to, it was like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to try. So bye. there's gotta be like something else. You're not the one you're not it. Yeah. And I, and the problem is, is I think we kind of tend to think that we're going to find, I, I, sorry, this, this might sound like it's not, tied into what you were I'm talking about but I but I promise you yeah, it is no, I, I think, that no girl could ever provide me with that which is the answer to like is it good that I exist am I necessary yeah you know and that's what I wanted every girl I met every encounter it hinged on that and that's why I think it was so in a good way I felt so free when I realized what if I go into it and don't care about like what they think? Mm. 
Like, what if I go into it and I'm just like, I'm just going to enjoy this conversation. I'm not going to worry about what you think about me. You're not going to worry see... about the outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to like, and it, but then, you know, but it, I, but also that's only going to take you so far. And like, like honestly, like, thank God that I met Aaron when I did. Yeah. No kidding. You know, because I, I was right on the cusp of like, I can do whatever I want. I can date any girl I want, talk to anyone I want, do anything I want. And, 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 and like a weird way, it prepared me to like meet her. Mm. You know, because Aaron was such a, a, what I love about her and what the first thing that attracted me to her was she was so different than anyone else I'd ever dated or met. It was just like, um, I mean, Aaron's just a brilliant, beautiful, strong-willed in, introvert. <laughs> and I'm such a vulgar, loud, uh, self-obsessed extrovert. You know, and it, it's well, you're not loud. Yeah, I know. If I could count the the amount of time she's grabbed on my arm and has and I've gotten what I call the glare, <laughs> which means stop what you're doing right now. Uh, Luke, you need to turn off Luke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Time to bring it out. So uh, but anyway, it just. Anyways, I want to bring it back to the dating stuff, though, because I think it's really like what you're saying is super important because you're not going to get the confidence you need in yourself. This is from from a like male perspective. You'll not have the the, the confidence, the what I, I guess I'll call it healthy confidence you truly need. Because it can keep the pain at bay for a bit. It really can. Like, I'll admit, like, it can keep it. But, like, in the, your heart of hearts, you know. And you, it never goes What, what can keep it? You mean the... This sexual, idea that... Sexual acting out and using women to... Yeah. yeah. Like, because it, it's, I mean, kind of like, why do we look up porn? Because it's pleasurable. Because it's, you know, like, for, for me, it was the rush of just, like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to glorify it, Um Honestly, just because I'm married now and I just, it's just not my life anymore. But of just like, oh, 10 minutes ago, I didn't know who you were. And now I'm like engaged in this huge conversation with you. And I could tell that you, that you, that you dig me. You know, like that was always so much fun. I love that. That was so much fun. Um, I mean, I can remember in Denver, this again, this is before I started dating Aaron, going out, just doing it on my own because it was a blast. It's like I'm gonna go do. I'm and just deciding I'm gonna go and do this for a bit. Um, you mean without friends at a bar, mm-hmm, you're just by yourself? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Man, that was never me. Never me. Oh, it took me ten years to get there. <laughs> but you know, and I don't. And like now, I, I mean, obviously, I would um, never. But it, it's a good skill to. I mean, the ability to talk to strangers and to engage with them. Yeah, and no, I think it's great. Good conversation. Just and it's, I, I haven't done it in so long. That I really, I, I need to try that again. I need to start. No, sorry, that sounds terrible. I need to start talking with strangers. <laughs> you know what I need to do? <laughs> Get back into carousing. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to OTR right now and uh, go to the Eagle and just see what happens. Um, no, but you're using inside jokes that not even oh, I sorry. know about. <laughs> I know. Those are like just no. This is places inside. No, I don't care. Out. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, no, it was the place that I took you to over the Rhine. Remember? We walked around. It was really cool and beautiful. The guy had the fire whip. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I bought expensive pizza that tasted like dirt. I, it was good. I got to pee so badly. Uh, I'll be right back. Damn Sorry. It. Damn it. Why can't you finish your point and we can end the podcast? <laughs> I got to go so badly. <laughs> Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Not as funny as my mercy is falling bit. I tried to do that and I couldn't remember the words. Yeah. It's all right. We, everyone tries. Most people fail. Everyone tries. Not every man really lives. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the point is. Um, oh, don't give me this bullshit. What were we talking about? I don't even remember. Ah, who the, I don't know. You know, uh, you I, know I, what I love? <laughs> I, I quit. I quit. I'm done. Done. You know what I love about our podcast is like there was no clear cut like answer to any of this. <laughs> it's just like here's what we think. It's a mess. Here's a bunch of crappy things that I did. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> Everyone should feel sorry for us. And there's 18 women who are no longer gonna listen because of it. Uh... Do you ever do you ever think about when like sometimes when we share such things and we're like, I wonder how our listeners yep. are actually gonna. Th- think about us i'm i am waiting for the phone call i think i may have had a dream about it of like someone that i dated going i don't like what you said about me on the, the podcast or yeah. i'm waiting for it to happen it'll happen eventually why not now let's bring her out ladies and gentlemen no. <laughs> now now here's the problem with your pee break is you were talking so much that oh, i was talking so much yes that you didn't make your point and then uh, you had to go to the pee to the pee break. I, okay, listen, I'm at a point in my life now where if I have to pee, if I don't go pee, I will literally pee my pants. It happened when I was driving to Atlanta. Oh, that's Do you awesome. remember? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. Yeah. What it, is going on right now? <laughs> I was literally going, oh no, oh no. <laughs> well, um, anywho, I need to end this because I do not want to be up at midnight. So let me just say this. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for donating to our Patreon page. I'm not going to ask you to donate now. I'm just going to thank you for doing it. Because you, so many of you have done it, uh, it, it, it literally is helping me pay bills. And uh, Hurricane Harvey had its own effect on my financial status and situation. And uh, you guys literally came through in a crunch for me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I also want to say... Um, we are going to be Luke is coming to my house in just two short weeks, and we are going to be at Encounter Houston. If you if you go to EncounterHouston.com and register right now, you can get a commuter pass for about a, it's like something like a hundred bucks. But if you enter the code Catching Foxes, you'll get a all one word, all lowercase. You'll get a good discount. Um, I believe it's the same discount that you get when you register. So that's pretty awesome. But um, the cool thing is the speakers that they are bringing in are awesome. And let's be honest, we all need to reboot our spiritual life. So this is a great way uh, 
to have a, a fun weekend if you can make it out for the whole weekend. And if you can't make it out for the whole weekend, it is really, truly a great one-day event for, for young adults, almost said millennials, for young adults to just have time together and with our Lord. Like, let's be honest. We all need those encounter events. What better encounter event than EncounterHouston.com? So go now uh, or, you, or you'll regret it, and I'll make sure you do. And the coupon code is catching foxes, right? All one word, all lowercase. For twenty bucks off, so yeah, yeah. that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to go and hang out with everyone there. It should yeah. be a good and, time. And like I said, we're going to be out there Friday night, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be great. I have to, I might have to leave and teach a teach an RCIA class and then come back and get Luke. But um, <laughs> what? Yeah, it's things <laughs> of the job. Things of the job. <laughs> Uh, but anywho, so Luke is going to have to come to a class I'm teaching on a Thursday night and then come to a class I'm teaching on a Sunday. No, I'll leave, uh, Luke, I'll leave you at the hotel. I'll give you that grace. There are friends that we have that I can hang out with, right? Right, guys? Right? Uh, you better pray for some friends. Oh, you see what I did? I took something we I talked know. about earlier and made it awful. <laughs> see what I did? I took a horrible childhood <laughs> wound that just tore right open and just stabbed it a few times. You see what I did? I didn't let you, I didn't speak freedom over you. <laughs> You don't think I glorified, like, all of my sin in this episode, do you? No, I think you were painfully honest, and your guilt and shame and sadness and sorrow and desperation that it could have been different came through. Am I right? <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us, Luca the Luke the me, at Lay Evangelist. That's can, on Twitter. That's on Twitter. Well, everyone knows. Well, no, maybe not. Uh, you can find our Catching Foxes account at Foxes Podcast. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. We have a conversation going. Uh, we try not to post too much to ruin your Facebook feed, but let's be honest, you want us to. Uh, oh, oh, hey, there's a guy who sent us a message the other day, and I deleted it by accident. I hit the check thing, and it just, like, went away. I so deleted, I deleted the Pages app because it does that. And I'm like, what the heck? I was just checking. Like, I just saw a green uh, arrow, and I hit it. I just green... meant, like, uh, yeah, so some – because I was going to come back to it. So some guy, you had contacted us in 2016. You sent us another message. It was a great message, and I just meant to, like, come back to it, and it's gone. And I am so sorry. Wait, was so that the, was that the dude us. Was that the dude from jail who wants to help me with my prison ministry? I don't think so. I really hope Because he, he wrote back, and I've been corresponding with him on email. I don't think so. Okay, okay. I don't think so. Anyway, we, we got cool stuff is, happening. Cool stuff is. in the works. Cool stuff in the works. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I don't know what we're going to call this episode. What should we call this episode? We uh, are terrible. Just call it um, 28-year-old Luke is a terrible, terrible person. Well, I mean, I think that was already a given for most of our listeners. Yeah. No, I'm I don't sure. know. Whatever. Good luck editing this one.